If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven-figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Today, I'm speaking with a really good friend of mine, James Madrid. James Madrid owns a state farm agency located in Las Vegas, Nevada. He also represents State Farm in Arizona, Utah, and California. California. And I got to tell you, James is a rock star business owner and entrepreneur. He is responsible for, check this out, over $17 million of policy sales and renewals on an annual basis. That's some serious business. And I got to tell you, I've known this man for a very long time and he is as authentic inside and out. He is a hard worker, determined. He's got a brilliant mind and a very serious business owner and entrepreneur. I'm really excited for you to hear our conversation today. I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Like I said, I'm excited for you to hear my conversation with James today. You're going to get a lot of golden nuggets out of this one, and I can promise you, you're going to want a notebook and a pen. And really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business and your success, or you just want more and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your income, and your success to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. Let's get a 15 minute call on the calendar. See if we're a great fit for each other. Cause I know I can help you. Our motto has been, and always will be, we make millionaires and we take that seriously. Okay, let's do it. James, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks, Stacey. I'm glad to be here. I'm doing great. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm blessed that you've made time out of your schedule to talk with us. And as you can see, I have laryngitis. So if my voice comes and goes, I apologize. And who better to handle that than you? Because I know you have a lot to share with our listeners. Well, you sound much better than you did last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, complete transparency. James and I had uh, this interview scheduled last week, and I think I didn't even sound like a mouse then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so James, you know, I, I've had the pleasure of really getting to know you over the past several years, and, and I'd really like our listeners to have that privilege too. So I'm really curious, what made you wake up one day and decide, you know what, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I want to own a business. Well, I um, grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My dad owned a gas station way back then when you actually, you know, went to a Conoco or a Gulf or a Chevron 
and you know had full service and my brother and i would pump gas in the full service lane and check the oil for all the cars and you know he would do the mechanic work my dad would um so that's i grew up in a small town in new mexico and that's all i knew was learning you know small business and then in college um my friends and i needed money so we went and bought some equipment and we started trimming trees you know my friend had a truck we'd trim the trees and haul away the trash nice and then we have extra money for the weekend and then we do it again the following weekend so i've always knew there's lots of ways to make money and earn money mm -hmm. so when this opportunity came up with state farm i was originally a claim representative with state farm then um, oh, let me skip that before i came to state farm i was a sales rep for cisco food service which was 100 percent commission you know no salary at all and i had a sales territory in eastern new mexico so you know if you didn't sell anything you didn't get any money right. yeah. <laughs> so and i did pretty well the small towns servicing you know put a lot of miles on my car driving around to restaurants schools prisons whoever needed food and i sold them their supplies Wow. So that's kind of didn't even though I didn't own the business, it got got me a bite into commission only sales. Yeah. So and I did well at that, and then um, didn't want to be in a small town anymore, so I moved to Albuquerque, and got a job with State Farm Insurance as a claim representative, handling auto accidents, uh, settling claims, negotiating settlements for injuries, things like that. I this that was a W two job then. Yeah, that was a W two job. Uh -huh. And it was weird going to an office every day. <laughs> Until then, I'd just been working from home and driving and, you know, to restaurants and mm -hmm. other places that needed supplies. So um, I got in after three years of doing a claim rep, I got into a training position to train the new agents on the, the new computer system that just came out. And for those of you out there that are a little older, do you remember Windows 95? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would, I would, um, drive around and fly around and teaching agents Microsoft Word and Excel, you know, the basics of that. Yep. And I didn't have any formal training. I just learned it myself. Mm -hmm. So in these agents offices in Albuquerque, Arizona and Nevada, they would fly me to teach classes and I got to know the agents and the sales side of the business of insurance. And as while well, talking to their agents and their employees, that's where the money is in sales in any organization, whether it's insurance or car sales or pharmaceuticals, the sales side is where the money can be earned. Um, and they were earning lots of money and they really didn't know much about computers. They really just, you know, had per good personalities and knew how to talk to people. So I learned as much as I could from them. I did that for about job for 18 months and I applied to become a State Farm agent. And back then I've been with State Farm um, 26 years now. And when I first started, you had to be an employee of State Farm for at least three years before you can apply to become an agent. Mm -hmm. So that's changed now. But back then I had to do that. So I had my time in, became an agent and chose Las Vegas, Nevada. It was either that or El Central, California, the other one. <laughs> and it was a bigger opportunity, but I didn't know Spanish. I don't I don't speak Spanish fluently. So I chose Las Vegas and Las mm -hmm. Vegas 1999 is when I started my business was booming. Um, I think there was like 8,000 people a month moving to Las Vegas at the time and everything was new and casinos were going up left and right. And it was a popular time to move here and a good time. So that's how I got into this opportunity. Wow. And I took over a small agency of like 800 clients. And then I've grown that into several thousand clients. 
Nice, nice. So when you first started, what inspired you? Because I think when an entrepreneur and a business owner first starts out a business, their, their inspiration and their drive is different mm-hmm. than what it is after a period of time. Well, going through the training at State Farm and um, you come up with a business plan and you, see, you, do, you put the projections in there. And as you start to produce the sales or the numbers, as we call them, the numbers will turn into dollars and the light, there will be light at the end of the tunnel. Opening up an insurance agency for any company or an independent agency is a tough job. And for, you don't expect to earn much the first few years. And I knew that I, I had some money in reserves and a, a, a loan, a, a line of credit. So of only $50,000, which is not much <laughs> to start a business. Mm-hmm. And so I was struggling the first year to three years, really. Um, I think the first year I made like $18,000 after paying all my expenses. That's what I took home. Wow. Which is not much. No. But you keep your business plan up to date and you see where you are on track of your, your schedule. And every year you, you with as long as you stick to your plan and market and continue to grow, you can count on a twenty to fifty thousand dollar increase every year mm-hmm. in gross income. Now mm-hmm. your expenses go up with that too, so you're not just taking home that twenty to fifty thousand dollars every year. Right, a normal portion of that. But out of my twenty three years in sales, it's gone up every year except for three years, mm-hmm. and those are the ups and downs of the market. Right, right. So yeah, and as long as um, you stick to your plan and don't, you know, make any crazy decisions to stop marketing, even during the tough times. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you'll continue to grow. So, you know, the, the, the one thing that I admire about you, and I was really excited to have you on the show is, you know, there are all different types of sales personalities out there. You know, there's those, those really high energy uh, cheerleader, high five type salespeople. Then there are the technical salespeople. And mm-hmm. then there are the, the business salespeople. You've always, in my opinion, fell on that realm where you're very, you're, you're methodical, <clears throat> but not necessarily technical, right? You, you oversee all the multitude of options so that you're educated on what the needs are and what the products offer and how they solve those needs. You're very even keeled and uh, unemotional and a lot of salespeople just drive off emotion, which which can really impact you, good and bad, right? Um, your, Your even keeled personality uh, how has that served you and how has that hindered you when it's come to sales and growing your business? Yeah, it both has done both, both hindered yeah. and, and benefited me. Uh, the way it benefits me is I'm very persistent and consistent, mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. of those. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a high pressure salesperson. Um, I train my team not to be high pressure. If someone doesn't like our price, we're not going to push you too much. You know, if we're within $20, we'll, we'll try to make the sale. But if we're two or three hundred dollars over the market in a certain vehicle for an auto policy, we'll just say sorry. We know this is our price for now. 
things change, can we call you again in six months when you get your renewal? When we get permission, we put it in the computer system, we call them again in six months. And sometimes in six months, we're not competitive and make two or three years down the road, we're still calling that person. And then finally, some things change in the market and we get the business. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people appreciate that consistent calling, you know, year after year. And one of my biggest sales I had was last year. And it was for a customer I've been chasing for three years because we were out of the market and they weren't ready to buy. And finally, some things changed with the recurring insurance company. And I sold 80 condo policies to this investor. Wow. He was having trouble with his insurance company. And it just, my consistent calls every six months and my emails, you know, just keeping my name in front of him. Mm -hmm. He liked that and got the, I got the business this last year, last November. Mm -hmm. So that was a, a big sale for that day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. How's it hindered and you? What, well, I think the way it's hindered me is the, um, a lot of agents like will jump on trends for sales, uh, a new marketing campaign will come out and they'll dump tens of thousands of dollars into it and they get the immediate bump in sales, but it's mm -hmm. not the type of business that sticks on the books very long. It um, sticks for maybe one or two years and then falls mm -hmm. off. You have to repeat it and do it over and over. And I hesitated doing that. So I missed those ups and downs, even though maybe 30% of that business was good and stuck for long term. Mm -hmm. um, so I could have grown the book faster that way. But, um, you know, the, the more, I guess, pressure, high pressure salespeople out there do those things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the old story of the turtle versus the rabbit yep. <laughs> who won the race in the end. Yeah. And after 23 years in sales, I'm, I, I'm winning the race right now. You know, I, I love that metaphor and that analogy. And I hope that our listeners really grab that golden nugget. You know, it's not about spraying and praying. It's not about showing mm -hmm. up and throwing up. It's about having a strategy and approaching that strategy methodically and keeping your focus, your determination and your concentration on that strategy and avoiding allowing the shiny object syndrome to flash at you and point you in a different direction. Exactly. The shiny object syndrome has caught many agents with State Farm and other companies I see set new records. They walk across the stage, get all these awards, yeah. and five years later, they're gone. Yeah. They quit, they go to other companies, they do, you know, change careers. And, you know, 23 years later, I'm still here and setting records. Yeah. <laughs> in that... my personal records and then some city and state records too. That's phenomenal. So, so James, what if, if there was one thing that you could pinpoint is your number one key, your number one secret to success, what, what could that be? What would that be? Because, and, and I want to, I want to divert a little bit real quick because, you know, I, I work with a lot of agents and, you know, I train a lot of agents, a lot of insurance agents love NLP. They love coaching. Right. Yeah. And um, so I know the industry very well. And, and because of that, I see, like you said, people come and go and come and go. And there are a lot of common denominators and I see in those of you that make it. So what is your number one piece of advice you could give someone? Um, the best thing to do is spend time hiring quality people that, you know, with any business, not just insurance, you know, 
they represent you, they represent your company. Make sure they're good quality people that are gonna do the right thing and not cut the corners to, you know, even though they can make sales, if they fudge a little information or do make the sale the wrong way, mm-hmm. um, in the long term, those agents get caught and right. sanctioned or fired or, you know, something happens to those with every company you know, out there and every, even independent agencies that happens. Mm-hmm. There's compliance departments in every insurance company. Yep. Yeah. So you gotta do the right thing, the right time, every time. And if you do that and train your employees to do that, sure, they're not going to be the top of the sales rank in your sales territory, your city. They'll be up in the top one third, but they're not going to be the top flyers that get all the attention and spotlight. But that's just a flash in the pan. Those people come and go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you actually bring up a good point, which, which kind of makes me want to poke at it. You know, that's the, that's the do or die question I hear in insurance, in mortgage, in, in real estate, in financial services. Why would I ever want to W2 hire what could potentially be my competition? I'd basically be training people to compete against me. And you know, it's funny because I, I, I have very specific answers to that. And I'm curious as to what your answer is. And then I'll share with you what mine is. Well, um, I have a different view of that. I would love my agents to become a State Farm agent or an agent with another company. Mm-hmm. Because um, to do that, whoever is recruiting them, whether it's State Farm or another company, they look for production levels, not just for a month or two but for a couple of two to three years of consistent, persistent marketing and production. Yeah. So while they're training to become a State Farm agent or another company, I'm getting the results of two to three years of fantastic production. Yeah. And yeah. so far I've, I've had three people, three of my employees become agents. One was State Farm who was doing really good. He actually has two different offices here in Las Vegas and he's doing very well. Nice. And then my old office manager, uh, her name is Jennifer. She's an independent agent now. Nice. She took that role and became an independent agent. Is doing really well. She's three years into it. And she worked for me for seven years. And the other person worked for me for five years. That's phenomenal. So, so we share. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I would love to have more of my employees become agents on their own. And right now I have the potential of two of them has expressed interest in, you know, three to four years when they're ready. And they have to have some money saved up. Yeah. So... So they do that. I'm hopeful that they do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we share a very similar philosophy with this because my response to people whenever they have that conversation with me, you know, I've trained tens of thousands of business owners, entrepreneurs, and uh, sales, independent sales professionals. And I'd say probably a good 30 to 40% of them fall into uh, service providing like you do, insurances, financial planning, mortgage, real estate. And, and my, uh, my, my feedback to them is this, leaders lead, leaders lead, raise people up. Yeah. You know, if, if a business owner, if an entrepreneur is going to hold on to their business with a uh, with a scarcity mentality and train, develop and lead those under them. They're going to train, develop and lead scarcity mentalities. And it's hard to thrive in that environment. 
And if you truly are grooming and developing your future potential competition, then you're raising tomorrow's leaders and you're benefiting from it today and tomorrow because that relationship you're building with that person, giving them that opportunity to be the best version of them, that's a significant relationship for the rest of both of your lives. And yeah, as leaders, we want to help people. We want people to thrive. If you're in business worried about training your competition, then I can promise you you're smothering your business today. Yeah, and it, and it works even now that Jennifer is an independent agent with another company, she still sends referrals to me. Oh, so nice. she can't write something and she knows State Farm can't because she knows our products and what we can and can't do. She'll send them to me. Yeah. So yeah. we'll still benefit a little bit from that relationship. Nice. So let's talk about the comfort zone, the gray zone. You know, it. I, I jokingly refer to it as the jacuzzi cesspool of aromatherapy. You know, it doesn't matter how crappy it is, how shitty it is. People yeah. choose to stay there because it's what they know. Uh, I'd, I'd like to offer you a, a double-pronged question. One, how has the gray zone impacted you, both positively and negatively? Okay, well, the gray zone is very alive and well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And most recently, I felt myself getting into the gray zone during COVID. Now, I still had my agency running it well, and we didn't really lose business. We didn't grow that year either in 2020. But it was very just, blah. I wasn't. I kept marketing just to replace the business I was losing, and we were just staying afloat. Um, so I was kind of getting the gray zone for me is when I get kind of bored and start looking at other things just to keep my mind occupied. Um, so that happened in 2020, and then 2021, it started. It kept well, half of 2021 for six months. I was kind of in the gray zone. Then I kind of figured out ways to um grow my agency even more now in nevada i like we mentioned earlier i sell in utah arizona and california so that's something that state farm allowed in 2021 early and by june of 2021 i had those licenses and all my employees did so that kind of sparked a little agency and influx into the agency and we started growing the business again and that excited me and excited the team and we actually sell just as many, if not more policies in Utah than we do in Nevada right now. With the marketing I'm doing up there, mm -hmm. it's just um, a great market and really super competitive, which just opened the door for more sales to come into this agency, even though we're located, you know, seven, 800 miles away from some parts of Utah. Yeah. So it's a different revenue stream. Then Arizona is the same thing. California is the same thing. And it just opened more doors for us. Mm -hmm. And then um, in last june also in june of 2021 i came up with an idea one of my friends who's an agent um was having trouble with keeping team members and motivating team and he was thinking of retiring i convinced him to you know let's merge together he moved into my office and you know i am helping him run his book of business mm -hmm. and with the money he compensates me to pay employees and everything it's a new revenue stream for my office too mm -hmm. so that's been running for a good eight months now or nine months this, this month 
And when I saw you, Stacy and Amber, uh, who's another NLP graduate here, for a boot camp about what was it, November of last year or October? Uh, October, yeah. October, yeah. yeah. Um, you always ask that question, you know, what's a goal for you? And if you say, I want to make $100,000 a year, you're always like, what about 10 times that? <laughs> add, you know, add three more zeros, add another yeah. zero. <laughs> so I was thinking of money, of ways to earn money outside that while still continuing to grow my agency. Mm-hmm. Now, the way insurance is set up, it, it is hard to, you know, 10 times 10, your book of business <laughs> overnight. That's a slow growth process. You know, it took me years to build this agency. And, and just let me take a step back. And, and the average agent size is about a two and a half million dollar book of business. And Correct. Sales. Right. You have two or three employees. And a lot of companies, you know, you don't have any employees. It's a smaller book, but you still make some good money. Mm-hmm. And my book of business over the years, I've grown to right at six million dollars of renewals and sales. And I had nine employees. And I was still trying to think of ways to grow it. And we're still doing that. But I came up with an idea with, you know, helping out that other agent who moved into my office. There's struggling agents out there who, are, who don't really have um, the knowledge or the will to hire and train people the way I do. Right. They struggle. They go through seven, eight employees a year and they're able to keep one. Right. So I contacted one of those agents who's a friend of mine. And he's had one consistent employee and he really can't grow his agency. Mm. He's stuck. So I made him an offer. I said, for, let me come in. I'll manage your sales and service of the day-to-day operations and your employees. You know, don't, you don't even have to hire anybody. We'll just use my employees. Mm-hmm. And he has his one employee and himself. They could go out and sell and grow the agency. Yep. Because all the service work and all the administrative work is just bogging him down and he doesn't have time to sell. So in January, we merged, not merged. He didn't move in my office. He still has his own office, mm-hmm. but I took over that role. And then as of yesterday, three more agents came on board. Nice. So, and two of them are in Arizona. One is in Nevada. So it doesn't have to be in my same city. It can cross right. as long as I sell in those states. So I can go anywhere in California, Utah, or Arizona right now to help manage a book of business and mm-hmm. you know take over that role and help that agency out there with the employee problem. Mm-hmm. That so that revenue stream has basically doubled my income from the, what I'm receiving in the agency to help mm-hmm. manage five other agencies. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a great way to, you know, it is a lot of agents have what we call a side hustle you know they own a a building real estate firm or they own a restaurant or they own storage units you know yeah help supplement their income and i guess this is my new little side hustle even though it's the same business i'm already doing yeah you you said we manage over 17 million dollars in renewal sales that's that's what i manage with my team and now i have 12 employees and that's going to be growing probably to 15 by this summer or maybe this fall. Yeah, that's amazing. And you know, you bring up a really good point and and I want to I want to highlight it for our listeners. Thinking outside the box, being creative, mm-hmm. looking for ways to create paradigm shifts because doing business the way business was always done will get you always the same results. 
when yeah. you know that's that's kind of where the the low bearing fruit is however once the low bearing fruit's picked it no longer exists so you have to really start getting really creative and 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 attempting paradigm shifts get and and really thinking outside of that box because that's where success is right yeah so so like you had said you 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 got you stayed in the gray zone during covid and you know things kind of kind of really stayed the same and and in my humble opinion when things stay the same you're actually moving backwards yep. because if you're not I, growing you're dying yeah exactly there's mm -hmm. always the, the the universal laws there's always movement it, you know you're either growing or dying you're never standing still so that, that gray zone trapped you. However, you've got a lot of tools, you have a lot of trainings, you have a lot of knowledge that helps you shift and getting really creative, you've managed to find low bearing fruit that most people wouldn't even consider or look at. And that's brilliant. And this opportunity has been there for any agent yeah, even forever. for myself for years. Yeah, and as far as I know, and I've talked to agents around the country, my friends, and nobody's doing it around the country. Now it's it's probably going to be a trend soon. Yeah, especially with this you know labor shortage and finding good people and the work from home shortage. Out of the twelve people I have working for me now, only three are in the office. The rest work from home. Nice. I have and, two yeah. two employees in Virginia. You know, I've never even met just online, <laughs> you know, a Zoom call and my phone call, <laughs> but they're highly experienced and do very well. You know, COVID has taught us that we don't have to do business in a box anymore. You yep. know, COVID has made us very fluid, very adaptable, very flexible to environments so that we can, we can really work anywhere. I mean, reality is the, the entrepreneur the the smaller business owner and the independent sales professional was already down that route anyway you know, be, yeah. you know they, they went to starbucks they went to libraries they they worked out of a spare bedroom in their house fill in the blank whatever you know they they took virtual to a to a new level when covid happened the bigger companies had to get creative and do something very similar exactly. now yeah, now, now what happens with that is discipline. Because, you know, when we're a business owner and an entrepreneur, even an independent sales professional, you have the best boss ever and the worst boss ever. You have the best boss ever because when you want a day off, you give it to yourself. Exactly. You have the worst boss ever because when you want a day off, you give it to yourself. <laughs> yep. And that could turn into two or three days or a week. <laughs> yep. And that can turn into decreased income and, you know, all the pain. Right. Now, one advantage I have is that I have taken, you know, several weeks off at a time, even a month at a time, a couple of mm -hmm. years ago. And if you have the right team and process, your book of business keeps growing. With Absolutely. Insurance. Where if I was like a doctor or say a dentist, if I take a month off work, you know, you lose income because you're not, you can't do a root canal. Your, your employees can't, you have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, so James, you know, you've brought up marketing and my, I, I bring on a lot of marketing experts on my show, you know, cause our listeners are those uh, business owners, typically the smaller business owner, the entrepreneur, and, you know, a small business owner for me is 10 million or less. Right. Yeah. 
um, and those independent sales professionals, you know, one of the mistakes that we see that are just glaring mistakes is when people get busy, they stop marketing. The other glaring mistake, which is even more obvious, is when, when times get tough, when, when recession hits, when people when people start pulling back and they start buying necessities. I mean, look at today, gas prices are going through the roof, right? Mm -hmm. that, that additional expense hits in places. And when someone's living on a fixed budget or when someone's just starting out a business or when a business is, is at a ceiling and they haven't broke through it yet, right? They look to, to cut corners and the corners they always cut is marketing yes and you know when times are when times are bad you need to market more when times are good you need to market more because it's all about developing that pipeline i mean you just brought that up with that gentleman with uh, all those condos you 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 were persistent for what six years um yeah um, yeah. four, years four years and it was a referral from you know one of my friends who's an attorney here in town Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just was really persistent. I wasn't a competitive when I first quoted it years ago. Mm -hmm. but I just keep persistently following up. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about marketing because, you know, there, there's a lot of different ways to market. And, you know, a lot of people are going digital. A lot of people are going social media. And, and that's great. Do it. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of noise out there. And if there's a lot of noise out there, it's, it's going to be difficult for you to be seen and heard because let's face it, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, all of them, they're, they're LinkedIn, they're all businesses and they're not going to adjust their algorithms to benefit you. They're going to adjust their algorithms to benefit their business model. Yeah. And the only way that business model stays in business is to profit. And the only way it's going to profit is through ad sales and memberships and, and different and ad spend. And I mean, I can go on and on. And, and, and so many people either try to do it themselves, which is just like throwing $100 bills into a fireplace. Exactly. Or they attempt to compete in a market or they attempt to do it for free and not throw money at it, you know, and then the, the marketing and, and this is how I met you was through networking. And, you know, for me, that's just, that's been tried and true. It's old school. And I still wholeheartedly believe that people do business with people that they know, like, and trust. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Even if you ad spend and find someone through social media, digital marketing, they still have to go through the dating process with you. So let's, let's jump on the topic of marketing and the, the different strategies that you see out there, what you've tried, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Because okay. I'd really like to help our listeners expand their knowledge on, on different, different opportunities and different techniques. Okay. Well, when I started my agency, marketing was looked totally different than it does today. Yep. I was one of the first agents in Brought to Nevada 
from an agent I knew in New Mexico and the one in Texas, mass mail marketing. Uh, <laughs> direct mail, yeah. Direct mail, and I have 10,000 know, postcards and letters per month, and you get your percentage and grow your agency that way. And then I started doing that in Las Vegas, and you know, within a year, everybody was doing it. Yep. So that burns itself out. And then it went over to digital marketing as the internet was growing and getting bigger and bigger. Um, and, you know, advertisement on the online and your own websites and things like that to try to generate revenue. Then uh, within the insurance industry, um, internet leads came up probably in 2009, eight or nine, where the companies out there would generate leads for you and you'd buy leads. And they're anywhere from 10 to $18 per lead, depending on the company. And which helped the process speed along, but that gets very expensive. And then, you know, the market got flooded with dozens of companies out there and the lead quality just, you'd sell one out of 80 leads you buy. Yeah. So it wasn't worth it. So, so then there was, um, you know, as far as digital goes, Facebook came along and started advertising. State Farm allowed to have websites on, on Facebook. Very regulated though with State Farm compared to other companies. Mm -hmm. And they want to protect, you know, their, their brand and their, and their you know reputation yeah i want to get hacked <laughs> yep. so now we can advertise and i do advertise on facebook a little bit on instagram a little bit and linkedin and those websites but it's just a minimal presence you know i'm there my customers can see me and it does generate a few leads every now and then but now what i'm getting the leads is digitally is from i've hired a company to do pay-per-click advertising, especially in Utah, Arizona, and California. And that is working. However, the, by far the biggest source of referrals that come to me is from word of mouth referrals, from the team marketing, as well as the marketing I do with realtors, mortgage companies, and lenders, or mortgage companies as a lender, mortgage companies and property managers. Mm -hmm. So I go out myself, as well as one person, one of my employees, um, every week to visit these property managers, um, mortgage lenders, and realtors. And through that, that's been easily 60% of my business over the last 10 years. Nice. As well as the team referral networks, because I meet with them every day or every week, and they get to know you. Do you cold so, call door knock? Is that how, or no, did you? No, nobody door knocks anymore, that. just for safety reasons. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, if they do, it's pretty scary. <laughs> so anyone, how did you meet yeah. these people to begin with? Well, um, to a lot of social interaction and networking events. Signs a team, there is a chain of commerce, and there is social networking groups here in town yep. Yep. where you meet for drinks and exchange business cards and talk business. Yeah. I did that from 2010 to 2016. Nice. And grew my network of, employee, of friends, and my employees would go with me. And the realtor, the leads started coming in. And through that, and in, during that time, I also lived in a high rise here in Las Vegas. And I got into the high rise market with the realtors and all the sales crews, sales teams selling high rises. Mm -hmm. And at that time, the Vegas was booming. You know, yeah. a lot of people moving to Vegas. They had a sales, each high rise had a sales force of three to six people. Wow. And they were selling 10 to 20 high rise units per month and sending referrals to me. So even today, after even the high rises have been full since 2017, they're all sold out. 
I still get referrals for resells on high rises, and I insure over a thousand high rise units in Las Vegas. Hmm. Six high rise towers that I probably insured twenty to twenty five percent of the whole building. Wow, you know, six to eight hundred units per building. Yeah, yeah. So I'm still in that market, and it's those are my best clients because if you buy a high rise, you know, you're paying seven, eight hundred thousand dollars or a million. And you don't worry about a $1,000 policy. You pay the annual premium and you don't call me for service work. You get your bill next year and they pay it. Yeah. Yep. So those are some of my best clients. Nice. So, so basically in the whole scheme of things, your biggest yield is through relationships. Correct. Oh, well over 50, maybe 60%. Yeah. Referral, word of mouth referrals and real personal relationships. Yes. You know, in, in my experience in business, networking looks di so different. You know, there are, there, there are absolutely online networking environments. Once again, you have to remember you're dealing with noise, you're dealing with distractions because when someone's networking online, they have their emails in front of them, they have the internet in front of them, they, they could potentially be at home where their kids or their spouse or their friends or their family are there. So there's a lot of distractions. You know, then you have the old school traditional networking meetings, whether they're chambers or demographic specific or category exclusive, none of that matters. People are just showing up to get to know business professionals and like-minded people in their community. Now, most people show up to net sell, net vomit, spray, pray, show up and throw up, right? However, if you really show up as someone who's looking to make high-level relationships and high-level connections and add value to people's businesses and lives, then you'll instantaneously differentiate yourself from 99% of the people out there networking who are spraying exactly. praying, right? And I knew that going into the, the networking I was doing, the social networking, it was fun for me. I was single at the time and you yeah. go out and have fun on a Wednesday night here in Las yeah. Vegas, with me, you know, in a nice restaurant with 200 entrepreneurs. Yeah. And a lot of them were just, you know, spraying their business cards and, you know, you you know, you're never going to do business with them. Yeah. But every time I went out, I just went with the intention of meeting one person mm -hmm. that I want to make a good connection with and follow up with and have lunch with them and get to know them and see how we can do business together. Yeah. And Going that's years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Social networking, social networking has always been where the real value is yeah. because, you know, when you're at a, a business networking environment, the whole objective, the whole strategy is to get to know someone personally, but you can't do that there. Right. Yeah. Because people do people do business with people who they know, like and trust, and they refer to people that they know, like and trust. Yeah. When you get into a social environment where you're surrounded by like minded people, it doesn't matter what type of professional person they are. They know people who are like them. And yeah. when you make those high level connections, magic happens like you've never seen happen. You know, and it, it's, I think some of my best relationships came from social clubs that really attracted the entrepreneur, but they weren't set up for business networking. Yeah. Uh -huh. And you really meet high caliber people. 
and then and then other other relationships i've gotten that have been extremely valuable have been through trainings and masterminds and group coaching and i mean some of my coaches have been some of my best referral sources right yeah. So it's just when you play a bigger game, a bigger play, a bigger game shows up to be played, which is really cool. Exactly. Now, the next um, thing I have to figure out with networking and social networking or, um, to, you know, category exclusive is figure out how to network more and get referrals from California, Utah and Arizona. Because yeah. right now that's where all my digital marketing is going and it's working. Yeah. But I'd love to set up the referrals to the one-on-one face-to-face, you know, those are the best. Yeah. Nice. Since I'm not physically in, you know, Salt Lake city or Phoenix, it's, it's tough to do that. Right. Right. But I'll figure so, it out. somehow. No, <laughs> oh, you will. You absolutely Maybe figure will. out a trip, you know, once a month I'll be in those cities and set up a, a big dinner with some referral sources. And, mm-hmm. So let's, let's talk about, coaching and training and how personal and professional development have really helped make James Madrid the success that he is. Okay. Well, the personal training started back in probably 2004, nice. maybe five. Um, when I opened up my agency in 1999, I had grown it pretty good. And in five years, I was really, you know, taking off and State Farm was asking me to be a consultant when Kind of like a district manager we call them consultants back then yeah and i went to a training here in las vegas it's not it wasn't nlp training but finding out later they use nlp techniques <laughs> after i took stacy's class um it was called choice center usa yeah similar to a sci seminars or something like that yeah and i thought the person that um enrolled me told me it would, it would help my business. So I was thinking it was business related. I took a bunch of business cards and it had nothing to do with business. <laughs> I told I told my friend that it wrote me, it was like, you know, a kick in the chest when I got there. Right, <laughs> it right. It woke me up to the, the personal training environment. And it was a great experience. And, you know, I went through the trainings with that company and I use those in my business and help grow, especially with my team and my relationship with family. And then in 2012, another friend in the personal training industry had just finished a size seminar. So I went to that, which was kind of a good refresher for the class I had back in 2004 or five. Mm-hmm. Same type of training, but it was a little uh, more advanced than the other company because I'm sure it's, you know, techniques have developed and changed over a decade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was more interesting. They had, you know, high ropes course and challenges and physical challenges and doing certain things, um, but that it opens your mind to more and the bigger possibility. Yeah. Then a few years later, I met you and took your NLP classes in 2018. And the light bulb went off because what you were saying is the NLP training was all the techniques that the other two classes were using, but not telling you what they were doing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. So I'm like, this is why those classes really work. You just never knew. So I, I tell people like the NLP is like the science behind all those other classes and self-development. And you tell us why it works, what it's doing and what you're doing. You get the outcome of it Yeah. without having to go through all that other experience. <laughs> yeah. In my humble opinion, when you know the science behind it, 
it becomes more stickable. It does. And, it does. and when that happens, it becomes easier to use because you understand why it works. You understand what it does. You understand how it works and you understand what to do. Mm -hmm. And, and doesn't when you take your class or the other classes doesn't mean you're going to be a perfect person. No, you're still going to have your faults and procrastinate and all that. But immediately you find your mind thinking, "Oh, go back to your training. This is what you do to get out of this funk." Instead of being in it for a day or a week, yeah, it's done within a few minutes or an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's one of the other beautiful things about learning the science behind it because it, it's there all the information, all the tools are there. And, you know, we are far from uh, perfect anything, humans, creations, souls, beings, whatever. You know, our computers, when we buy them clean and pristine, they still get glitches and the updates happen. And when the updates happen, the glitch goes away. You know, we're, we're the same way. Our, we will have glitches, procrastination. Oh, that's a good analogy. You've got to update your software. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so what about coaching? Uh, have you have you ever dove dove into the coaching arena and really had someone really work with you to to really up level you on a one on one basis? I did um, during COVID. I took mm -hmm. a men's course mm -hmm. online through Zoom, and there was a twenty two man from around the country that had a personal one-on-one -on -one coaching and it was for 90 days mm -hmm. and it was once a week and it was really good it wasn't um as in-depth as the nlp training or the other seminars because it's all on video i think right. when you get the personal coaching it's one-on-one -on -one in a room or out in the environment with an instructor it's, it's mm -hmm. better mm -hmm. but that, that would be the only other class I've had one-on-one -on -one instruction. I've been through mastermind groups too, where there's a person that leads you through, you know, yeah. the, the process and that helped out too. You know, I, uh, for me, I get asked this question all the time. What's the difference between coaching and training? You know, training physically gives you the, the fundamentals of how to do something. Right. And and it's typically in a group environment to where you all really learn off each other. This is our training room that, that I'm in because it's the furthest away from the street that I can get. So when cars drive by, you don't hear them. And um, coaching, coaching, whether it's group or individual, coaching is where uh, a, 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 there's a huge difference between a coach and a consultant. And that's really important to know. A consultant's going to tell you what to do. And a coach should never tell you what to do. A coach will extract out of someone their sheer excellence, keep them accountable, keep them on course, help them think differently, and expose blind spots. Because remember, we talked about there always being a glitch and needing the software update. And when the glitches happen, they create blind spots. And those blind spots are what prevent us from having everything we want. You know, I remember back uh, 30 plus years ago being mentored by Jim Rohn. And I remember him telling me very specifically, always put 30% back into you on an annual basis. Yes, I remember. And, and I do. I set a personal and professional development plan 
where I earmark 30% and I put it back to my development. And when I do that, I, I have to tell you, it's always paid me back tenfold. Now I have, I have a private coach. I have an individual one-on-one -on -one coach for every area of my life. And then outside of that, I also belong to group coaching programs, uh, mastermind programs, mentoring programs. This is where I do a lot of the social networking because I'm inserted with high level people who aspire to be the next level. Like right yeah. now I'm a seven figure earner and I'm in a group of all seven figure earners who aspire to be eight figures. Yes. So that's my next goal is to make it to that level. And I'm getting pretty close and I'm pretty excited because then my goal is going to be nine. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so so I, I have always I have always invested in myself and I get asked, should it ever be an either or should it be coaching or should it be training? And and I, I tell people transparently, I've never been an either or person. For me, I figure out a way to do both. Yeah. Because I know that my greatest fault is my blind spots. And when I hire people who can see them, it's just going to elevate me to be the best version of me. And the best version of me is going to produce the best work. And that is why I'm so passionate about people getting out of their way so that they can get on their way and have their way. And you'll never do that alone. Because when you're part of the problem, you know the rule. You can never be part of the solution, yeah. right? So James, welcome to the signature question of the show. And our signature question is, what does selling without selling mean to you? Uh, well, selling without selling is, it's, it's easy when, you do, when you're doing it. You don't even know you're doing it because you are just having a conversation with a customer, providing a service that's better than anybody else is out there to, to them that they need. And if they buy it, they do it. If they don't, you move on and go to the next one. Yeah. So selling without selling is like what I do when I train my employees. It's low pressure, no pressure sometimes. And it's just doing the right thing for the customer. If they buy, they buy. And if they don't, you move on to the next one. And yeah. eventually they will buy. Yeah, fantastic. So to me, selling without selling, it, it's, it's a methodology. It's a science. It's showing up completely congruent, authentic, and transparent. It's being your most congruent self, knowing that you've done the inner work so that the outer can work, exactly. allowing yourself to step into people's map of reality and speak into their listening. Because the number one rule is people don't care about your product. They don't care about your solution. They care about their problem. Yes. And if you understand their problem and they believe you understand their problem, then they'll also believe that you can solve it. And that's all we are. Yeah. We're service providers. We're solution providers. So we step into people's map of reality, speak into their listening, and we solve their problems. And when you do that, you never have to sell. Exactly. Yeah. Selling a conversation. Yeah, it's, it is. That, that, that's exactly it. it. It is a conversation. So James, welcome to the random round. See, I believe that success leaves clues. 
Okay. And I like to extract clues so that our listeners can go, you know what, I really like that. And I'd like to incorporate that in my life. So I have two questions for you. My first question is, what is your favorite word and why? Favorite word? Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite word and why? Oh, well, um, what ties into business, what comes to mind first is persistency. Mm, I so love those it. who are persistent and figure out a way to get through that wall that you need to get through whether it's over under or around you'll as long as you're persistent you'll get you'll get to the other side nice so I don't have to be persistent nice so James my second question for you is what's your favorite book and why favorite book mm, that's a good one um since we're on the topic of personal development, I won't go into fiction and stuff like that. Um, the Four Agreements. Mm, I love that. Yeah. yeah, The Four Agreements. Yeah. One of the first ones I ever read when I was doing starting the personal development journey. Mm -hmm. and, you know, being true to yourself, being honest with yourself, and don't lie to yourself is very important. Yeah. And that's always stuck with me. Yeah, it's so a like, great book. Easy read, paperback. You can read it in a day or two. Yeah, it's a quick read. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Basic, basic concepts that when applied make very, very significant foundational shifts. Yes. Yeah. Very good. So James, thank you so much for coming on our show. I know how busy your days are and how productive you are. If our listeners want to find you, reach you, connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah, I'd be willing to talk to anybody, whether they're in the insurance industry or out about their businesses uh, just you can find me at james at jamesmadrid.com that's my email and jamesmadrid.com is my website so you can always find me there fantastic thank you your success is important to me and it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you i would love for you to do a few things right now i'd love for you to hop over to instagram and follow us at pivot point advantage that's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I'd love it if you'd head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. We also share different information on both platforms. So we look forward to seeing you there. Last and definitely not least, I love to chat with you, give feedback on the episodes, and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this podcast more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success you've always dreamed of, desired, and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. I look forward to getting to know you. Always remember this, choice is a powerful thing and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.